Welcome in once again, Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. I appreciate your time. I know my partners at Athena International appreciate your time. So let's get right into it. You know, you hear a lot about diversity and inclusion in today's world and how they can help you in business, but really, How do they help you in business? Well, our guest this week is going to break it down for you. Roxana Svensson is an executive search director at Stanton Chase, and in her position, she is passionate about diversity and inclusion and tells us why both are so vital for leaders to embrace in today's world. You don't want to miss this talk. And hey, you know what? Let's start right now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International. I am Jeff Bolitnikoff. And I have a guest right now. I'm hoping that I'm going to say her name correctly. She gave me the pronunciation right before the podcast started. And my first question for my guest will be, did I get it right? So I'm going to start now. Roxana Svensson. Am I right about that, Roxana? Perfectly. Right on. All right. All right. Hey, I can only get better from here. Or maybe I'm going to go downhill. Who knows? (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) Roxana is an executive recruiter at Stanton Chase, and she has extensive experience in global leadership, engineering, multicultural management, lean manufacturing, and diversity and inclusion. And there's a lot of stuff to dig into. You have quite an extensive bio, but as frequent listeners to the podcast know, I try to keep my voice out of it as much as possible because what's really interesting is my guest and of course that's you tonight and Roxana thank you and welcome and I'd love you to expand on your bio and uh, give the floor to you. Thank you Jeff. Um, It's a pleasure to be on and hello to all your listeners. My background is basically mostly engineering. I was born in Iran I guess it's known mostly in the U.S. as Iran, but it's pronounced Iran. I was born and raised in Iran, a country that's not so famous for gender balance, if you might have have known. I grew up in a household that was mainly run by women, basically my mother and myself and my older sister. My father died before I was born in a civil war, so my mother raised the two of us in a small world of our own, women had all the power. So I was born um, in a, with a notion that women can do anything that men can do. And my mother had to go back to school and she had to finish her education, become a teacher after my father died so suddenly. So she always told us, myself and my older sister, you have to become independent no matter what, your education, nobody can take away from you. You can do whatever you want to do and whoever you want to be. And we both managed to be engineers. I think it's because it was a field mainly known um, for women, at least in, uh, in our country. So uh, that was the start of my upbringing. And then, of course, the re- revolution happened. I don't know how much the listeners know about the revolution in Iran, but there was a huge change in, in the government. And after 
shortly after the revolution, there was a major war with Iraq and the universities closed and I was just about to graduate from high school and there was no other way but to get out of the country. They wouldn't allow anybody leave. I actually got married to somebody I didn't know um, remotely and I was one of those male order brides, you might say, and I found my way in the U.S. and wanted to pursue my dream of Becoming independent, uh, the, and the reason I did that is because during the war they closed the universities. So I had to do something to be able to continue my education. So I came to the U.S. and, um, you know, after many years of, of course, studying and going and um, learning engineering, I had to face really every day the bias of being someone from Iran in addition to being a woman in a very much men's field and engineering, not all engineering, but electrical engineering. So I have stories to tell that we don't have time for in this podcast, but certainly that was one thing that I wanted to prove was that we can do it as women. Uh, we're just as strong and powerful, no matter what field we select, we can make it work. And then I got my master's in engineering after having a couple of wonderful children, not a very successful marriage, as you can imagine, not knowing each other at all. So um, I actually started working for a company as an engineer, and then um, I always had to prove myself. To prove that I'm smart, I had to work harder than men. And as I moved up the ranks, I wanted to help other women. So I, um, I started a um, group for women, like an employee resource group for women within the company. The company um, was very large, basically 160,000 employees in, in 150 countries. But for the U.S., I started in the U.S., started this organization for women, and I just wanted to help other women not having to work as hard as I did <laughs> to move up. But in the process, I learned a lot. In the company, I held several different roles. Um, working for a big company has these type of advantages. But then as I grew the, um, the organization uh, to help women reach their career goals, that grew to multiple locations and eventually even recognized globally. I was people from, I was having people from all over the globe in the company, within the company calling me and asking me how do they start their own chapter. And I had started, uh, created a starter, starter kit, if you will, and provided them and helped them get started. And it got noticed by executives in HR. And um, when I saw a position posted to lead, for the first time, to lead the diversity and inclusion for the company, I raised my hand and and I got it. It was a huge change in my career, Jeff, but uh, it was something I was very much passionate about, especially I didn't see as many women in upper management. And I know there were smart women within the company and, of course, outside. So I wanted to be really focused more on diversity and inclusion. And uh, I took that role for a couple of years, helping the company become more diverse. And now, as an executive search director, I'm helping the companies bring on executives who are diverse 
changing the society one company at a time as much as I can. Well, your story is one of tough mindset, I would say. And I want to dig into that because you just detailed all the challenges that you had. And any one of those challenges could have completely derailed you from civil war to a lot of prejudice that you faced, as you said, being a woman and being from a country that, let's be honest, didn't have and still doesn't have the most friendly relations with the United States and all of the things that you just detailed. How were you able to get through that? What did you tell yourself? What are some things and some tools that you used in your mind to be able to always move forward? Because there's there's a lot of those things. Like I said, any one of those things could have broken you, but they didn't. They made you stronger and you forged a great career. We will hear more from our guest in just a second. But first, Athena International has a big event coming up in October, and you should be there. Let's take a pause and get the details from event co-chair and Athena International board member, Sherry Jones. Want to enhance your leadership skills? Join us this October in the beautiful Hudson River Valley, New York for the 2019 Athena International Women's Conference. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Athena Leadership Model and the impact of the eight principles of enlightened leadership. Register at becomingathena.org. We often have two choices. You either have to give in and give up, or you have to try to prove them wrong and I always like I said the way I was born I mean I was born into a family that was completely different than the world outside of our household and I just um, was more eager to prove them wrong I'll give you another story if you're not tired of my stories I love your stories by the way <laughs> okay great Jeff when I was seven years old I remember my grandfather. So my mother said, oh, girls are just as smart, as great as boys are. We are, we are all equal. But then imagine my grandparents, really my grandmother raised me quite a bit while my mother was working in those early years. And I remember I was seven. My grandfather was expecting a phone call from the hospital where my aunt was giving birth to her first child. And he said, Roxana, if that phone rings and they tell me that she had a boy, I'll give you $5. But if it's a girl, don't even tell me. And I'm like, what? And I'm going through this conflicting feelings inside me as to, I hope it's a boy, but what's wrong with being a girl? I'm a granddaughter, right? What's wrong with me? So I, I, I just struggled with that. I went to my mother. I said, what's going on? What's wrong with me? And she constantly was telling me, don't let anybody bring you down. That's just the way. Some people think you can do it. You're smart enough. So I, I guess if it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. I've gone through so much, I would say, hardship that I just didn't want to give up or give in. So it's really not as difficult as people think, just being thinking positive, always looking and having your mindset on the goal. It helps you just go through life one day at a time and always think it could be worse. I always thought it could be worse and some people had it worse than me. Granted, a lot of people had it better, but it doesn't help to always think the other way. So yeah, I just focused on my goal, my target. As you've raised up other women and helped them achieve their dreams, what would you say 
makes you most proud about that? I'd love to hear your kind of what you get out of it. Your why, if you, that's a probably a better way of saying it. What is your why for all of this? I, I really do believe one person can impact the world one person at a time, if you will. In my case, just watching and mentoring other women that may not have confidence in themselves, may have a lot to offer, but don't have that confidence coaching them, mentoring them, basically holding their hand and seeing them succeed is something I, I, I'm really, really proud of. And that's what's getting me to every day to think about. Every day I want to make an impact, uh, not only the role I have today, but even when I was in school. I was blessed with uh, being very good at math and engineering, and I wanted to see more women successful. So I spent time tutoring them, helping them, and in my professional life, trying to support them to become leaders, be their advocate, even behind closed doors. I used to hear when I'm in management succession planning, I would hear somebody to say, but she doesn't want to be a manager. She doesn't want, I said, why do you say she doesn't want to be a manager? They would say, oh, because she never asked for it. I said, well, women don't always ask for what they want, but don't stop offering it to them. And, you know, just, just seeing that how I could impact their lives, helping them grow, helping them gain that confidence really gave me a lot of energy and it still does. Let's talk about advice that you would give to women right now. And this could maybe we could just pretend that you're talking to a client and what you would advise them to do to really take the next step in their career and really continue to take the steps in their career that they need to go as far as possible. Yeah, I would tell them to have that confidence. I think confidence carries you very far. And that's sometimes something women don't project. Those that do, I mean, if you have these qualities, I know we all have them. We have different interests. We have different goals. But if you do have, your goal is being a leader, moving up the ranks, if you will. If you want to move up, show that confidence. Go into interviews with a lot of confidence. You don't have to have 100% qualifications for the job, as we all have heard women usually have to meet every requirement before they actually have the confidence to apply for it or project it. So be confident of your capabilities, your abilities. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Whether you're a mother, have children, I've done it all. I've done it with kids, difficult curriculum. I earned and I worked and paid for my education. You can do it. It's just takes perseverance and, you know, resilience. That's really what I would tell them. And you had mentioned earlier that when you had your first marriage breakup, you had children, and you were still determined to build a great career, which you have obviously done. But what did you have to do during that process to take care of your children and make sure that they were in a good place while simultaneously building your career as a single mother? I'm, I'm sure there's many listening in our audience right now that might be in that boat and might be where you were. So what would you advise them to do? 
Yeah, if, if they have a um, supportive partner, it makes things so much easier. So if you have a supportive partner which can help you through raising those children, you're very lucky. Consider yourself lucky and blessed. I can't say the same thing. So in order for me to be able to pursue my dream, I had to really be creative in terms of babysitters. I had to find family, relatives, not so much. I didn't have a whole lot of relatives around. My mother visited quite often, and when she was there, I was very lucky to have her take care of the kids. I would pay a babysitter, and it took me a while to find one that I could trust, so I can't tell you stories about that. But what ha- you just have to be positive. You just have to use the resources that you have wisely. If you have a great partner, great. If you don't, find care. There are some nice people out there that uh, will give you a break in terms of what they charge and you can have great care. I um, worked and tutored while I was in school, in graduate school. I actually was funded by uh, National Science Foundation and they paid for my tuition, my books, my even monthly. So I was very, very lucky with that. But um, I guess, like I said, it could be worse always, but i I did have a good situation where I did get recognized, at least academically, and was able to go through graduate school and raise my children and be a role model for them. I did, however, say no to a free ride to MIT to get my PhD because I really had to had to leave my marriage and <laughs> raise my daughters uh, in a better better condition than just a student in Boston, you know, campus. So um, there's been something that happened. I couldn't quite quite get to my goal at that time, but I, I always believe things happen for a reason, and I looked at um, what could be in store for me in a different path if it's not the path I originally planned for. Well, you've- but if I can do it, everybody can do it. <laughs> Well, you have won awards, and I'm sure you're very proud of them. In fact, I'm going to mention a few of them, and I want to focus on one of them. So in 2015, you are a recipient of Nashville Business Journal's Women of Influence Award in the Trailblazer category. And what I really want to focus on is your diversity and inclusion initiative has been recognized by several organizations, including Stanton Chase's Chairman's Diversity Award, and I know Throughout this interview, diversity is extremely important to you. I'm sure that those awards made you proud. And I'd like to ask you two questions related to that. Question one would be, what did having your diversity and inclusion initiative mean to you to have it recognized like it was? And two, maybe you could advise our audience as to how they may be able to launch something like that in their own company and maybe give them some guideposts as to what you did and what it means to the company and all that other good stuff. Yeah, so answering your first question, getting the award meant, it was tremendous. I really, it wasn't expected. What I was doing was just focusing on something I was completely passionate about. It wasn't a work. I always kept saying, you know, this is, doesn't feel like work because I used to have an organization of 180 engineers in five countries and there was always these issues with the design and challenges and really working 24-hour days and 
now I get to actually focus on something I'm so passionate about and then get recognized for it. It didn't feel like a job. It felt like, like a hobby, like extracurricular fun activity for me. So it was tremendous that somebody recognized it. But honestly, I started um, small. Like I said, I started from having an organization that helped women. And then once I became a head of diversity and inclusion, it was all about some comprehensive way of looking at diversity. In my opinion, inclusion is more important than diversity. If you have inclusion, diversity happens. We have all these quotas, all these companies say, you know, focus on hiring, hiring. But I say focus on retaining who you hire because you can bring in a lot of diverse workforce and talent. But then if you can't retain them, it's not, it's not useful. So focus on something that company didn't focus on a whole lot. And I'm suggesting that, that to those that are interested in running an in initiative like that is uh, try to look at the inclusion piece, having policies that is inclusive, thinking about all different types of diversity. It's not just gender, race. It's diversity of thought. You know, diversity comes in many forms. And one um, quote that I'm very, very fond of about diversity and inclusion is diversity is getting invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. Oh, I love so that. That's one way to say <laughs> Yeah, I, I do too. So I guess my advice is if you have passion about something, you can start small and then you get the right support behind you and you can do great things with that. All right, let's head into the Athena questions. Of course, well, we always ask how you develop women leaders and how women are supporting women. I think this whole podcast has been about that. So uh, you've covered that beautifully so far. So I think what we'll do is we'll go to our question about the eight Athena leadership principles from the book Becoming Athena. Eight Principles to Enlighten Leadership by Athena International founder Martha Mertz. And this principle for you, I think out of all of the eight, this one really, as I'm listening to you talk, is perfect for you. And the principle I want you to comment on is advocate fiercely and what that means to you. When, when you look at the way the fierce advocate is defined in the book, Becoming Athena, this advocate is somebody who has that inner fire to do things for the greater good. And when I think about that, we could be born with that, or it could be from our life experiences that makes us have that fire, that inner fire. In my case, I really think it stems from my upbringing and that conflicting environment. And uh, as I shared with you, my life story and uh, that's why I, I feel like I had a need, <laughs> I, I suppose, the fire to not only prove I can do great things, but also be that advocate for other women. Because I really do believe we as women need to support each other and be more helpful to each other. And that's, uh, that's something I always wished I had, by the way. I, I didn't. I didn't really have a great mentor to bring me up, but I have been one for others. So in my situation, I think it was a combination of 
being born with that kind of fire, but really helping it <laughs> burn through all my life experiences. Now, if somebody wants to be a mentor, and like you said, it's important to mentor other women, what would you advise them to do? What do you try to do with the women that you're mentoring? How do you, how do you support them? I think the best thing to do is first to listen. Listen more, right? Uh, to, to learn what it is that they want to do. Not everybody, of course, wants to be a CEO or a C-suite executive, and some do. But listen to see what they really want to do. And if they do want to move up, if they do want to be the leaders of the future that lead an organization, a large organization or small, then try to guide them as to what steps they need to take to get there. Some might have all it takes and they just need a little bit of a push, a little bit of a support, advocacy. Some may need some more development in order to get there. But either way, just listening first and then understanding what they want and then help them in that area. It's not what we want our mentees to be, if you will. It's helping them get to where they want to be, however great or small, through listening first and then giving advice based on our life experience. How has being a mentor enriched your life? Yeah, I think like uh, I mentioned earlier, just the, the idea of seeing other women having a little bit of a lesser, if you will, difficulty in getting to where they want to be and I be part of that success. It's really fulfilling. Uh, when I was recognized uh, and I received an award uh, by the National Business Journal as a woman of influence. I really didn't expect that. And it was, it was just wonderful to see something that I enjoy and I love to do sort of pays off in a way that I wasn't really expecting. And, um, yeah, I think just seeing that confirmation, reconfirmation of the individuals uh, that we touch, we touch their lives by helping them, mentoring them, supporting them without expecting anything in return. It's fulfilling enough, but then it does get recognized. And that's even like it. All right, let's head into our... Fi- on the top. <laughs> well, let's head into our final couple questions here. And question number one, of course, is resources that you might recommend that uh, our listeners can plug into that inspire you. I'm inspired by many things. I really believe this podcast is a great inspiration. Oh, thank um, you. And all the women, absolutely. And all the women that you invite, and of course, all the women mentioned in Becoming Athena book, and of course, the, uh, the, the writer of the book, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by all of those. But of course, there are other great books that I'm inspired by. But uh, one thing that I'm always constantly inspired by are great qualities that I see in young children. You know, by their purity, unbiased lens, they look at the world, world through, and their honesty. And I always think, how can I be more like them, more pure and less judgmental? That's my greatest inspiration. And of course, there's many books. One of them that I'm going to mention is called Grit to Great 
It's um, written by Linda Kaplan Thaler and Robin Corbell. And it's about how perseverance, perseverance, passion, and pluck take you from ordinary to extraordinary. I suggest the listeners to buy this and read it because that gave me a lot of energy and inspiration. All right, last question. Of course, I start the interview with the guest and give her the floor, and I end by giving you the floor as well. So I'd enjoy passing the mic off to you and hearing how you would like to end the interview and what you want to say to the audience. And also, too, if there's any women out there that can benefit from your services at Stanton Chase, I would certainly like you to tell them as well as you getting the floor and talking about what you want, but also telling any potential clients that are listening right now how they might benefit from a relationship with you and Stanton Chase. So, again, passing the mic off to you, Roxana, and uh, this has been very interesting. I can't believe it's already over. It's gone so fast, but uh, it has, and the mic is yours. Thank you. One thing I want to say is for women in business, we often speak of, how can we be proactive when it comes to issues that we face and not reactive? But a lot of us spend a lot of our time, including myself, on being a positive change agent, supporting and mentoring other women and girls so that they can achieve their goals. But one thing, I have a message really for all parents. I think that as parents, we are responsible and we need to be proactive by changing the world, one girl or a boy at a time. If we raise our children such that they believe in equality as they grow up and they stand for it and support it, we can change the future. So I really think we hold the key in our hands for a unbiased future. That was my message to everybody, (laughs) at least to parents, because I really believe in it. And then in terms of um, Stamp and Chase and what I can offer to potential clients is as a result of my background in diversity and inclusion, obviously as a director working for an executive search firm, I place executives, I find companies, their future leader or their current leaders. But what I focus on specifically is Diversity. So I try to make my placements be members of diversity, women and other diversities. And another additional uh, positive that I offer is I help the diverse candidate assimilate into that uh, role easier. So what I mean by that is I stand with the place candidate and the client to make sure that the the, uh, integration of the candidate into their uh, leadership organization is is seamless and uh, easy because research has shown that diverse leaders lead companies and corporations at a faster rate. So I want to make sure that we as a placement and as a executive search organization, we help companies to keep them as they hire them. Well, of course, we will have links and your phone number to get a hold of you on the show notes. And 
I appreciated all your time tonight, Roxana Svensson from Stanton mm-hmm. Chase. And I'm hoping I said it right. It's been like a half hour since I had to say your name. It's like it's just it's just enough of a little bit of a tongue twister that it, it's kind of like Bolitnikov in a way. So <laughs> I'm hoping I got it right. You did. You did. Well, well, thank you very much for your time. We'll, of course, have ways for people to contact you on the show notes. And again, is so much appreciated that you are a part of this. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It was a pleasure. On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, Julie Caraccio is an award-winning professional life organizer, author, and certified life coach. Plus, like me, she's a podcaster. In this talk, she enlightens you on why you need to not let anything stop you if you have a dream. Here's a little bit from Julie. Go for it. And what you do, I was in that position. I had the steady paycheck and... As I mentioned, it was such an awful place and I'm eternally grateful for them because they treated me so horribly. I thought, ah, I have nothing to lose. It can't be any worse than I am now. And if I fail at doing my own business, I can always find another job. I have to thank you in advance because I already know you're going to share this show on social media and myself and my partners at Athena International so much appreciate that you are going to do that. All you have to do when you share is use the my Athena hashtag, lowercase my, and then Athena is all uppercase. Hashtag my Athena. Thank you for helping us share this with the world.